1: To the cultaholic classic Raw review. See whilst the other members of cultaholic are discussing what went down on 2018's Raw and SmackDown. Ah, uh, forget that. We've jumped in a slim jim powered DeLorean. We've gone back to the days of yore where we've not quite got an attitude. And we've not quite got a Hulk Hogan. We might have a Hulk Hogan again in a bit, and we'll come to that soon. And we chronicle the old school days of Monday Night Raw. And who be we? I be Tom Campbell, fake Geordie wrestling geek, known to many as that bloke from the radio. Get him off. I don't like him, Mum. And I am with Cultaholic, head pen, top typer, and as described on his own Facebook page, Social media nuisance, it is Justin Henry!
0: How you doing today, Tom?
1: Oh, I'm really overtired. (laughs) Little bit behind the curtain on my normal life. So normally I do, I'm on the radio and do the afternoon show. I'm on the morning show this week, which is a lovely change of pace, but it does mean I'm getting up at like quarter to four in the morning instead of my normal leisurely time of lunch. And that takes some getting used to. So I'm—I've had a tiny nap, tiny nap before we got here tonight. Uh, But otherwise, I'm okay.
0: Well, we'll see if it affects the quality of the show. Any? Oh, it will
1: be a standard level. How are you, more importantly, (laughs) Justin?
0: I am doing good. I've just been uh, scrubbing around on the Cultaholic official Discord, which has been opened up to an even wider group of people today. Just chatting with some of the culties. The Join us, sir, ruse. I don't know what we would call them. Our, the our join us, roos. <laughs> that sounds like a dinosaur. The join us, sir, ruse. <laughs> the it, join it, us. It, it, it ends with an emphatic r. Double o s. So the join us, sir, ruse. It's oh, like the join us, and ruse. This. Yeah. Hadley, ho, join us, sir, ruse. <laughs>
1: I like it. I like it. It's it's equal measures uh, cheeky and equal measures fun. And
0: Pacquiao is, is kind of a, uh, is like a sweater vest away from being Ned Flanders anyway. So
1: he, if if wrestling did need a Ned Flanders, look no further than the erstwhile Adam Pacquiao.
0: Love you, or, Adam.
1: Thanks for editing this. Appreciate actually,
0: that. Actually, would not Ned Flanders make a good? Um, I mean, at the general manager Ned for Raw. Yes. I I'm, I'm, I'm imagine Dan Severn as Ned Flanders. All he needs oh are my God. and the right.
1: If anybody, if you love us, and you're listening to our voices now on the Cultaholic podcast feed, if somebody can make a Ned Flanders-Dan 7 hybrid illustration, <laughs> I'd love you to the moon and back. <laughs> that whole, please, somebody do a Ned Flanders-Dan 7 hybrid. And,
0: and while you're at it, throwing Tank Abbott as Homer Simpson. Yes. Get the entire... Entire UFC class of the mid-90s as Simpsons characters.
1: That is so niche. It actually hurts my spleen, Justin.
0: I'm not sure who Shamrock would be. <laughs>
1: Ken, um, Ken Shamrock would be... Um, I almost want to say Duffman, just for that intensity.
0: <laughs> I actually I, I could see that shit rock gonna make you tap out oh yeah (laughs) i guess paul varlins would be the tall guy who nelson laughed at while driving the small car if anybody wants to
1: make this incredibly niche bit of fan art we ain't gonna stop you
0: (laughs) we have very low standards for what entertains us which is why we're watching which is why we're watching old roles from 1993 and deriving amusement in places where there should not have been amusement
1: and which Monday Night Raw are we watching this week, Justin?
0: Well, it's the fourth episode of our show, so it is the fourth episode of Monday Night Raw. February first, nineteen ninety three. It was the live edition, the night after Super Bowl twenty seven, from the Manhattan Center in beautiful downtown New York City.
1: Who won the superb owl?
0: Well, as an Eagles fan, I hate to have to say it, but it was the Dallas Cowboys. Oh damn cowboys. They- they annihilated the Buffalo Bills 52-17 to 17 in what was the, at the time, I believe the second highest point margin of victory for one team in a Super Bowl.
1: Wowzers. But well, we do small... have a little bit of uh, football slash hand egg base talk later on in the episode.
0: <laughs> we, we do indeed. And a uh, small side note, the following year Dallas would beat Buffalo again in the Super Bowl, and one of Buffalo's players as a backup player the alpha male Monty Brown. No way! Yes, Wade. Well, ah, I love Th- that. He played in two Super Bowls, but won neither. He lost with Buffalo in Super Bowl 28 and with New England in Super Bowl 31 in 1997.
1: So, would Monty Brown have been in a Mega Drive version of Madden?
0: He very. I, if it were today, he definitely would have been on one of the uh, PS3, PS4 versions of the game because you know, the rosters are so extensive. Yeah, but he 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 wasn't much of a uh, I'm saying he he was more on special teams than he was actual defense. So he would have been kind of a back in those days when he had like 40 guys on a roster on a video game, he would have been one of the ones that got left out probably. But I I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. And they uh, and mine. they and they
1: were at a point in a lot of sports games where it was just the, a football team was a group of guys with the same haircut. Yes, pretty that much was the skin. football team. Same shirt and same haircut. There you go. That's the Dallas they... Cowboys.
0: <laughs> and they all had the same skin color.
1: Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was slightly awkward, embarrassing for everybody involved.
0: <laughs> so, on to Raw. On to Raw. And, uh, no Sean Mooney outside. No, no Sean Mooney. Unlike us on this podcast, they didn't beat around the bush on this show. They got right to the first match.
1: Loved it. Straight in. No no messing. <laughs> Welcome to the last... And literally, all Vince said at the start was, Welcome to Monday Night Raw! And away we went. Off to the races. We went with Tatanka's music
0: hitting. Tatanka versus Damien Demento. Poor Demento goes from main eventing the first show to opening the fourth show.
1: And not even getting an entrance.
0: No, he gets, he gets the classic jobber entrance, although he did have a theme song that consisted of gongs and nothing else still
1: give the guy an entrance he's such a character he did make up for it though he was very animated in the ring whilst waiting
0: yes he was really... he had this gimmick where he would talk to his hands and look up to the sky as if he was talking to an unseen god part of me thinks this is just some big rib on the ultimate warrior but i could be wrong
1: i did think it had ultimate warrior undertones when he was doing it, I did love it. I, I liked the whole him talking to himself and looking to the heavens. And he, when he was walking around the outside during this match, and he just looked like he was in a trance. I love that. Oh God, we only scratched the surface with Damien Demento, didn't we, Justin? We only scratched we, we
0: the surface. We did. We did. He he became a little more known fifteen years later when he had a bizarre feud with R. B. Reynolds of Russell Crab. That was
1: hilarious. <laughs>
0: And, and, absolutely uh, <laughs>
1: hilarious
0: he did tell a story once our day uh, and maybe I'm getting this wrong but he he went to a house show and I guess one of the Beverly brothers a uh, no show for travel reasons or whatever it may have been so the match was Damien Demento and I guess Blake Beverly against the Bushwhackers which may have been you know, anywhere in the country as Gorilla Monsoon would say, absolutely. Although he would say although he would say it not as facetiously and at one point Demento goes into his talking to his hands routine and Blake Beverly, completely lost it on the apron. It was in tears of laughter. It was face down on the turnbuckle pad, trying to hide his face, but he couldn't. Oh,
1: bless. I love it. I love the routine. Incidentally, um, little little name drop here. There we go. <clears throat> um, I had the pleasure back in, oh, gosh, 2006 of interviewing R.D. Reynolds. And I'm so Excellent. sad that I... We don't hear as much from him. I might be doing him a great disservice and he might be really active in a part of the internet I don't go to anymore.
0: Because he well, was such a lovely guy. Well, actually, not only is he still a lovely guy, but he's going to appear at Starcast to confront Eric Bischoff <sighs> over, over the death of WCW book.
1: Oh, nice. See, I used to listen to Ardy Reynolds when he interviewed Vince Russo after mm-hmm. the release of the, the death of WCW.
0: RD is still active. He's still putting up new inductions on a bi on a biweekly basis. Him and a uh, the charmingly named Art O'Donnell alternate week to week on the site.
1: Is Blade Braxton not involved anymore?
0: He's still there. He's going to be at Starcast as well.
1: Oh my god! And now, okay, because Matthew's going to Starcast. This yes. isn't a secret.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: I think I'd love if Matthew can get a picture with RD Reynolds and Blade Braxton. That would that'd make me a very happy fanboy.
0: It It made me the same as well. That'd probably be my desktop background for a long time since I'm buds with all three.
1: I think the main reason that me, RD, and Blade got on was because the first time I interviewed them, it was Blade who went, oh, you did the biggin' and wiggin'. I was like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> so, like, I, I gave them a good week's worth of material. And uh, I think that's why we became friends. Hell, that's why I befriended you for that very oh, reason. It's, it's fine. I think that's why most people put up with me. That, that and I'm really good at getting a rounding of drinks. It's
0: not it's not putting up. People love you.
1: Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it, you cheeky, saucy devil. Uh, Demento and Tatanka.
0: Yes, uh, Vince at one point has the balls during this match to call Typhoon and Doink a feature attraction.
1: Oh my God! They really go for this as like a like a big and and here's the thing: when it came on, when the match started, I went, "Oh, this is a short episode of Raw," because they hyped it so much. I was adamant this was the main event, <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> it was just in the middle of the show, and this well, was well, the well, thing that they built last week. After well, we'd watched Mister Perfect and Ric Flair, they said, "Come back next week. It's Typhoon versus Doink the Clown." <laughs> <laughs> wow oh well i'm
0: here it's like saying hey everybody come back to the orgy after all the girls went home
1: <laughs> yeah you can come clean up some of the sick from one of the caretakers <laughs> can i <laughs> oh ho, ho! i'm getting in there <laughs> with the greatest respect to <laughs> fred ottman and the in the since past uh matt bourne
0: indeed no disrespect to them but it is it's kind of it's a drop not a main event no and it wasn't even a main event on this show either.
1: Absolutely not. So Demento and yeah. Tatanka, though, was a thing that kicked off the show in fast... In, in It was a fast-paced opening match. I thought as an opening match, this worked well.
0: Yeah, it, it was fine. Although, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Randy Savage, the consummate professional that he is, halfway through the match has a revelation. And that is, hey, wait a minute. Isn't Tatanka still undefeated? While Demento is working in a rest hold and possibly has Tatanka you know, in, in, in his death throws and could possibly be on the verge of ending the undefeated streak. Could you imagine – I mean I'm not comparing Undertaker to Tatanka to here, but – well, I mean I am, but yes, not, in, in just one sense. Could you imagine if during Brock versus Taker at 30, if in the final minutes of the match, JBL just goes, hey, wait a minute, isn't Taker undefeated at this event? And Cole's like, hey, yeah, he is.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so true. And this is why this is why there's such a, a, a difference in in presentation, because nowadays, whether you like WWE's current products or not, they have everything considered in terms of production and what they're saying and how they're processing stuff with this, you do really get the feel that it is well, it, well, it is raw. It is, uh, is just like, just as it happens, as it comes out, so- somewhat ill-prepared, let's just wing it and yeah. see what happens.
0: It It is very helter-skelter, and, and although today's product, you can say it's, at times it's overproduced, they try too hard to emphasize something. At least yeah. there's emphasis. This time, Savage uh, it, had...
1: The British phrase <laughs> is, over-egging the pudding.
0: That is definitely not an American phrase. <laughs> of course, Rob Bartlett has to rear his head, he makes a Tatanka Trucks joke. I don't know if you get that over in, in Yeah, I lands. got
1: the Tonka Shucks joke. Rob Bartlett this week, I think he's given up. He's just having a chat with himself most of the time on commentary. <laughs> he's, he's not really adding to anybody's thoughts a lot of the time. He's just jumping in every so often when he remembers a joke.
0: <laughs> he's like that paperclip um, pop-up thing when you're on WordPad or whatever, that like gives you a hint once in a while, and you go, oh, ah, that's great, and you just ignore him. It looks as though you're trying to write a letter. <laughs> it looks as though you're trying to commentate on a wrestling. <laughs> hey, you need help with that? No, No, we you. don't,
1: Rob. Go away,
0: Rob. He at one point calls Damien Demento Ruth Buzzy's love child.
1: And which... That's lost on me just you know. I'm glad you're here. Can you explain that to me?
0: Uh, Ruth Buzzy was kind of a stock character or a stock actress from like the 60s and 70s. She appeared in a lot of comedy roles, in her gimmick was that she was like this frumpy, middle-aged woman that was, that was very unattractive and very homely. And she was a very, um, she was often a target at this comedy race for being, uh, shall we say, a spinster. I think that's kind of the best word to describe she, she was the original crazy cat lady.
1: Okay, and she was kind of typecast, and she would just appear yes. in different shows in a very similar role.
0: Yes, and she, and she embraced that role in her gimmick is that when she was insulted, she would smash whoever insulted her with her purse people in the okay. head. So, if this is 1975, everybody would be going, oh, okay, but it's 1993,
1: so they're like, <laughs> exactly. We are f- very many years removed from this particular incident.
0: So the match continues, Satanga starts his war dance comeback, and it's a very brief comeback. He just chopped Demento down, and then the renegade drop finishes very quickly, or the end of the trail, or whatever, whatever a, of the seven names they called it. it it's, it's a friggin' Samoan drop.
1: It is a Samoan drop. I didn't hear Vince call it anything. I heard Vince go, Oh, we got him with a maneuver!
0: <laughs> yes, that's 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 Vince Ease for every finishing move.
1: But it is a repurposed Samoan drop.
0: Or is Bobby going you know, to call it the Papoose to go?
1: Papoose to go?
0: <laughs> Which Brian, only... I don't think
1: I've ever known a move that's had so many different names.
0: I did like End of the Trail, though. That was. A... It's simple but effective. End of Although, the trail uh,
1: always worked for me as a thing. This is the first time in the night there's another occasion coming up where Samoan heritage is just completely ignored.
0: <laughs> yes, yes it is. <laughs> this is the first time. You get the promotion for Headlock on Hunger. Well, first we get a look at Savage in the green hat and Headlock on Hunger shirt ensemble. Has he had his coat
1: repossessed? Because he wasn't wearing his coat this week.
0: Well, if he was wearing his coat, we couldn't see the headlock on hunger shirt. Oh, that's very true. That's
1: very true.
0: Savage, the consummate company man, putting the putting the movement over, putting the charity over, and let me get footage of the benefit show from the previous Saturday night at the Garden, or or maybe Friday night. But either way, Ric Flair was at ringside for this. Yes, the fired Ric Flair.
1: Yeah, but the, actually, they, mind you, Vince was, clever, was a clever Trevor, and Vince did acknowledge mm-hmm. last week. He's still got some contractual obligations in this company. He'll be at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. So he, Vince, he, Vince kind of tidied that little bit of admin up and on, uh, he on did last it. week's role.
0: He did, he did, and he did add After that, it's all downhill from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, all downhill back, <laughs> back towards the south. You it, know what, Justin, it, in this digital age, um, I worry... About the 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 what will happen to the novelty-sized check? Because Bret Hart came out with this novelty-sized check for a hundred thousand dollars, which he awkwardly presented to the head of the charity Headlock on Hunger, and I just think that we don't, as a society, we don't use checks anymore. So the novelty size check is going to be really outdated. And I believe that the novelty size check is heading for the same kind of fate as no. the save button on word processors.
0: I will, I will disagree with you on that. Oh. For the simple reason that for photo ops, you need to have a big visual to show that the money was handed over. So you think what you better? think the, the
1: oversized check will survive?
0: Yes, because in this country, we have this thing called the Publisher Clearinghouse which is like the big um, door-to-door prize giveaway sweepstakes. And they have to have that big-ass check in their hand when it comes to your door. Otherwise, you won't know it's them. It was like when Happy Gilmore, after his first golf tournament, was asking when he, when he would get his check. They say, I will mail them out next week. He says, no, I want, I want one now. And he's like, I want, you know, give me one of them big ones. I don't care. Because it's like, wouldn't you want a novelty check in your house just to have a novelty check? I wanted to, I want to record
1: a sketch. Where I take a novelty size check to my bank and try and cash it in. I would be labeled a security risk and told to leave the premises.
0: But my God, it would be funny. I would I would run into the bank like an enthusiastic surfer holding the check over my head as, as though it were the surfboard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cash this immediately.
0: <laughs> I could do that too. Is I kind of sort of surf sometimes. I'm not good at it, but I've done it.
1: A problem is that if you go surfing, um, if you're untrained at surfing, that it could lead to some terrible accident on the beach, which leads us nicely (laughs) into who comes out next on Monday Night Raw.
0: You owe me for giving you the best segue possible.
1: (laughs) Mate, you drop the line, I hook the
0: fish. Brutus the Barber Beefcake.
1: Yay! Brutus Beefcake's back! We were so worried.
0: Wearing Liv Morgan's pants. <laughs> making his first appearance in a year after his infamous run down in the barber shop when, when Sid smashed everything and ended up with uh, hair cream on his face and everybody laughed at him, which was one of the best moments ever. But so Beefcake is back. He's here he to announce his return. Uh, to the ring after two and a half years. And of course, if you know the story, he, uh, actually, if you don't know the story, he was badly injured in the parasailing accident in 1990. Uh, the knees of a woman parasailer smashed him right in the face and basically crushed his skull, the facial part of his skull. And he's very lucky to be alive as a result of that.
1: But the way he tells the last 12 months of his life, he, he tells a heartfelt story like, like a nineties wrestler. Like in promoville, in promo style, he says, "I buried my mum when she died. Then my dad died, and then my wife smashed me in the face with divorce papers. Then I had a boat. Then he talks about the parasailing accident. And I was expecting him at the end to go. And if that's not enough, Sid smashed up the barber shop. It's been closed for a year. I haven't cut hair for a year." Because, like, what he was saying was really sad. Like, my God, I want to give the man a hug. What a terrible, terrible, terrible year. But why are you delivering it like you're a 90s wrestler? I guess because you're a 90s wrestler. But it was just no nuance. No,
0: I didn't get that he was sad. I just got that he was doing a promo. And on top of that, he has Vince working as his hype man. Every time he 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 adds a new a new layer to the story, about his mother dying or his father dying, Vince goes all of this prior to the accident, which he Hell says yeah. several times, and the crowd were going like, ah,
1: oh, ah, oh, I feel like I was in a bleeding pantomime. This guy, <laughs> and, I, and again, I I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm taking the Michael because genuinely. What a horrific year for Ed Leslie! I could not imagine a twelve month as dreadful as the one that Ed Leslie went through. But it just made it
0: sound
1: like a promo, like no real,
0: no real. uh, Did you hear when this is after he mentioned the parasailing accident and he's talking about his recovery? Some 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 guy in the crowd, when it was dead silent, yells, "Kill yourself!" Got a big laugh for it. I
1: didn't hear that. I am I now need to go back and hear that.
0: It's, oh
1: my god. It, <laughs> New it, York it, it was, are it, it, dicks.
0: For a while, the promo was going well enough for, for what it was supposed to be, him building sympathy for himself. But it kind of did go on, and the fans started to turn on it. And, and it was very noticeable after the kill yourself heckle. But then Beefcake goes into how one man was there for him. During his recovery, they, not the hand of God, but the hand of Hulk.
1: He talks about how Hulk Hogan was there when, you know, he, he was being seen by the doctors and when the bandage came off. like, and, and how Hogan was the one that was telling him to get back in the ring. The best payoff for this story would have been Brutus Beefcake saying, And now we're married. He's the love of my life. That would have been the best payoff. He was talking about Hogan the way that Monica talked about Chandler on the episode
0: of Friends where they got married. Imagine cutting that promo in 1993 in front of a in front of a New York wrestling crowd. A With crowd that,
1: that, by the way, was were, were were ranting and raving whilst Andre the Giant
0: was being memorialized.
1: These guys ain't these guys ain't giving you nothing.
0: There was a part at the very end of the promo where Vince says. With a good man, or rather the big man over your shoulder, referring to Hogan, I'm like, is he saying Hogan's not a good man? Why why did he correct himself? (laughs) I mean, big man. (laughs) A a good man? No, we can't say that because that's not right. Uh, The big man over your shoulder. But Beefcake's returning because apparently he has nothing left. He's broke. He has nothing to live for except wrestling. This was Randy the Ram before Randy the Ram.
1: It was it was wasn't it which is sad because this is kind of the, this should have been the heyday of Randy the Ram. this was 90s Randy the
0: Ram. Yes, 1990s Randy the Ram Although he had the rocker mullet which Randy the Ram would have been you know, very appreciative of I'm sure
1: What a splendid mullet. Nobody mullets like Brutus beefcake.
0: Oh no Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton man. Oh, I
1: still think beefcake there were points where he was like platting it I was like, this is what a dream.
0: this man is a dream we need to have a tournament of wrestling mullets
1: right we're gonna do that the wrestling mullet tournament that. if anybody eddie... from the new gen podcast is listening to this i know they have a massive obsession with wrestling mullets. uh yeah. I, we would like your assistance with this
0: eddie guerrero
1: see i immediately forgotten every wrestler that ever had a mullet <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna work on this when when i can i can pull up a list of, of proper mulleted uh mulleted grapplers and we will do Jerry Jerry Law, Jerry Lullard, a Jerry solid solid yeah. out a solid mullet. Yeah. Well, it was
0: more of a pony, it's more like a ponytail. That cut he had in the, in the early to mid-90s before he finally trimmed it off. Well, Run say no more. Gibson, this have... is
1: something we're going to work on. We're going to do yes. the, the... And, and uh, the, the Cultaholic guys won't know this yet. We're doing the wrestling tournament of mullets. <laughs> this is the World Cup of Mullets of wrestlers. That is the thing that in 2018, the world needs. That's what we'll give them. Thank you very much.
0: So we go to a different WrestleMania 9 ad, which this time omits Damien Demento.
1: I would be devastated if I was Damien Demento. What a plunge in three weeks. Four weeks even. Main event first Raw, opening match, no intro. You're not even in the promo for WrestleMania 9. So I I hope you haven't booked the day off especially.
0: And Vince didn't even warn him. I mean, he, he warned us that Flair was it was all downhill for, for him, but not Demento. We didn't have a clue this was going to happen.
1: Poor Damien Demento.
0: I thought he made it every single week. And then we get a Raw... So a raw... I said we get a Raw girl with the least conservative outfit to date on these shows. And the worst slogan! Which is
1: incredible, considering some of the dross that they've written. Steak tartare is raw. Who is writing these? It's got to be Vince. It's got to be Vince. Because Vince laughs heartily at the steak tartare. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, because it is. It's got to be Vince (laughs) writing this nonsense.
0: (laughs) Well, if Vince laughed at it, it was obviously not Bartlett writing the signs.
1: Yeah, I'll know. But Bartlett was too busy trying to get a word at edgeways over randy savage for most of this night
0: and <laughs> probably hiding from him after making fun of his bald spot last week <laughs>
1: oh, cr- yeah yeah that was uh, that was upsetting
0: high energy versus iron mike sharp and skull von Cruz. let's play, play a game of
1: name the jobber okay i am mike sharp famously i mike sharp from off of ECW and other things for many times, he was around in the WWF like right back in in the mid eighties.
0: Oh yeah, he came like, up
1: on Piper's Pit.
0: He was a bit more than than a uh, semi prelim guy, Iron Mike. But, I mean, later on, he he was more just a glorified you know veteran jobber at that point in time, a la Steve Lombardi or Barry Horowitz or even Dwayne Gill. But Iron Mike had a presence on until, I want to say like 95, he was on the roster still, popping up occasionally.
1: It's just funny with somebody who was, like you say, had quite a prominent role, who suddenly wasn't around so much anymore. And what was the name of the other chap
0: who he tagged was, him with? That was Von kruse who is a familiar face.
1: And do you know where Didn't he's never... from?
0: As in where he's, as in where he was born, born at, or
1: no, no, who he, who he went on to become,
0: he went on to become Big Veto in WCW and WWE, and he was part of the Baldies in ECW.
1: Absolutely, well done, a thousand points. This was also the veto that I believe made a big thing in the mid-noughties about being the only wrestler on the roster that was wearing a dress.
0: Uh Yes, this was post-Perry Saturn.
1: Yes. <laughs> when Perry gave up the dress, he handed it over to Vito. That was a strange yeah, he... old
0: time in wrestling. See, Vito and Daniel Bryan could have formed a team called Say Yes to the Dress.
1: Oh, my God. Right. Good night. We're done. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. Justin's won the podcast this week. We're done. That's it. <laughs> Thanks. Adam, Adam, whatever we say after this, just edit it out. Cut it out. <laughs> No, nothing's stopping that. <laughs> nothing's stopping
0: that. I'm going. Oh, don't stand to me. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> check Tom come rumor. back. Tom, I can't do this alone. Come back.
1: Fine, but we've we've peaked. I'm nervous. We've peaked. We've hit oh, the ceiling. We,
0: hell, we don't know that yet. I'm mean, just still. There's still four matches to go.
1: Oh, so we've got high energy versus, um. <laughs> say high energy versus what a sharp well. dress
0: <laughs> get the get the stains out of the dress <laughs> for this we don't know iron Mike sharp had had really bad ocd and it's been it's been a, it's been a part of wrestling lore for years yeah and he used to spend
1: like seven hours washing his hands every night
0: yes and showering after matches to the point where he was even locked in the buildings after shows by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not making that up. That's not even like like me riffing on it. Someone's OCD. He would literally. There are stories of him being like left behind by everybody else, and so has has to let him out at the other night. Oh, you're still here.
1: God love him, because obviously he's no longer with us anymore. But um, yes. yeah, they, I, I I laugh because I read those stories too about how. he would be locked in the arena and and i know ocd it's 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 a real horrible affliction and i've i've had friends that have suffered it and it, it genuinely is debilitating but for me the image of mike sharp on his own in a locker room washing his hands <laughs> as suddenly that boom power cuts out lights go out it's quite was a funny go. visual
0: <laughs>
1: and him going ah oh, not again
0: <laughs> I think this is one of the final TV appearances for High Energy, as after this, Coco was gone from the company and Owen Hart went off on his own. Not quite heel turn Owen yet, but we're we're still months away from that. But he would be a singles for a while as a babyface.
1: It had to yeah. it had to come to an end for High Energy because they were fine, they were a serviceable tag team. But
0: although according to Brett Owen thought Owen thought him being favorite Coco was was a colossal rib on him. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Were they not friends? No, it wasn't that. It's just Owen saw it as like a, a spot on the car with no upward mobility. He thought, like, well, I'm stuck here now. Because, I mean, Kogo hadn't been used as a push wrestler in years. So why would he start pushing him now? It's like, Owen thought he was stuck.
1: Well, I thought Owen brought the best out in him. I think, in, you know, making the best of a bad situation. I mean, they, they didn't look terrible here. They looked good.
0: No. No, they were a good, a good solid team to watch. It's just they weren't going to go anywhere. You had other teams ahead of them, whether it was LOD before this or the Steiner brothers here. They were just they were just two smaller guys who, who could have a flashy match, but they weren't seen as much. And it's like, I don't know. It's like, who's there now? It's like a high-flying team. That doesn't. That isn't used as much. It like maybe Lucha House Party. Good call. Lucha also, things. Good
1: Lucha things.
0: Although Kalisa doesn't carry a bird with him.
1: <laughs> he, can't, he carries. He carries a burden, but not a bird.
0: <laughs> Our discussion here is at least three times longer than what the match was. It's, it's very <laughs> yeah, short. The match
1: is long gone by now.
0: Yes, it's uh. Although I was delighted to see fans playing along with Iron Mike Sharp's um, penchant for grunting grunting very loudly.
1: Oh, he was a grunty man, wasn't he?
0: Grunty hairy man. Very old school. Whenever he would sell a kick to the head. Uh, Von Cruz gets mauled after tagging in, and then the elevated drop kick slash jackknife pin combo finishes him in about a minute and a half.
1: Done, done, back to the locker room, back to the showers, get it done before Mike gets back, because
0: he takes his time. And we come back to the match that we've been awaiting for," says Vince. Doink. Vince does a really Versus weird th- job building this,
1: where he he, he talks. He says, "He says, Oh, what a huge match! Huge, huge match! I mean, wait till you, wait till you see the size of Typhoon! Like four hundred pounds!'" It's Vince is so stressed. That he's built this match up. Vince in his head, I think, goes to the one denominator that he thinks is going to bring people in because to him, it's the one denominator that brings him in. If he starts talking about how big a guy is, <laughs> he's like, Oh, wait till you see this. This match is going to be something because Typhoon's
0: huge. It'd be like him apologizing for showing like Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart. Like, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I know they're not too big guys, but it was all I had to put on here. I'm sorry you had to sit through 25 minutes of, of that. And... But yes, Typhoon in his mind is still important because he's Typhoon, and he's ginormous. But even before that match, we get the Doink crush angle rehash in which Doink hilariously Crush in the head with an arm that was apparently filled with lead. Or as Randy Savage put it, word on the street is that the arm was filled with lead. Who in the hell is Randy Savage talking to? on the streets of New York about a clown using a modified dummy arm filled with a a, a dangerous substance. I should say a dangerous, well, not substance, what's the word I'm going for here? Just a weapon. Let's call it a weapon. A weapon.
1: weapon. It's it's, it's that word on the street thing, and it's, it's something that it's a wrestling trope that drives me a little bit crazy when you'll go, everybody this week, has been talking about this. And it's the only other thing that's more annoying than that is when wrestlers go, all week long, people have been asking me. People have been coming up to me in the street and saying, Typhoon, can you beat Tony the Clown? Like, no one's coming up to you saying that. No one
0: is. Nobody is.
1: All week long, it's th- all people have talked about. It's not.
0: It's not, mate. I would take it more seriously if they used the word scuttlebutt. I used the word scuttlebutt
1: ones... on the radio today, and it shocked people.
0: Wow, that's eerie. Two of us use the word scuttlebutt. That's in the same so day that's that twice
1: hair. on two completely different mediums that I get to use the word scuttlebutt. Either side of the day.
0: <laughs> I am so happy. Podcast.
1: <laughs> Tom and Justin scuttlebutt podcast. I love the word scuttlebutt. And, and do you know what, as well, right? Macho Man saying word on the street is, oh, the Doink's arm filled with lead. No, 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 no. Okay, right. If you're going to run into general population, as you said rightly, Justin, they're not going to be talking about Doink the Clown's arm full of lead. Even if you were on the off chance to bump into <laughs> wrestling fans on the street, this particular week, they're talking about Andrew the Giant dying. They yes, talking it's... about Doink's arm full of lead.
0: <laughs> what about Andre? Well, I mean that that was important too, but you know. So Doink the Clown versus Typhoon, and it the occurred to me that when I the main event
1: in the history of
0: Raw, <laughs> and and it occurred to me that no matter what happens in this match, no matter what sort of pants messing embarrassment it could potentially be, this will not be the most embarrassing moment that Fred Ottman has in 1993.
1: In fact, it was six months after this that he yes. had that same moment. Moment of no infamy. Idea. He had no idea that was coming. No, nobody did, and that was the beauty of it. Nobody could predict the Shockmaster. Uh, certainly not Typhoon six months
0: beforehand. Fred, poor Fred Outman couldn't predict the board on the floor that he tripped over, allegedly. The support 2 by 4 that someone put there without his knowledge.
1: Nor could he predict how awful Ole Anderson's voice dubbing would be over his
0: own voice. Come on, you want a piece of me? (laughs) A a glittered Stormtrooper helmet. (laughs) That may as well have been a sand pail on his head. (laughs) I mean, it's one
1: of those things where it has kept his memory alive.
0: Yes, I mean, there's actually a Shockmaster action figure, which is sold with the figure upside down in the packaging. (laughs) <laughs> that
1: is sensational. I didn't know that bit. That is amazing.
0: He has a I mean, he has a sense of humor about it now. I'm I'm sure I'm sure at the time he's just like God damn it, does it, that just cost me? Well, I mean, how far would he have gone anyway? Even if he remained upright, he's wearing a stormtrooper helmet. I'm sure George Lucas would have sued him. He's wearing a he's wearing like this long sleeveless duster, which is you know one twentieth as cool as what Drew McIntyre wears today. And he's he's wearing Gap jeans.
1: It was certainly uh, a a look. (laughs)
0: Yes. No disrespect to Fred Ottman. I'm sure he didn't pick the costume.
1: No, no. He was uh, he was a slave to whatever they put him in.
0: Yes, and it's. I guess we could say he made the most of the situation, but it's. that might be understating. Oh, that's overstating it or understating it.
1: God love him. Uh
0: this was do
1: you know what right in terms of this match wasn't as terrible as it should have been. Doink had a really good strategy in this match where he was just Go for the legs. constantly trying to bring Typhoon down.
0: Brilliant. Yes, it, it, it was it was kind of odd but it made sense from like a, a, a psychology standpoint. He just kept rolling through the legs trying to trip Typhoon up, trying to wrestle him down with these amateur style takedowns. It, it, it was just it was not a comedy match by any means. It was just smaller man tries to outwit the bigger man using whatever he has in in his wrestling arsenal. It was so basic.
1: It was actually quite a straight wrestling match in comparison to what it should have been.
0: And and the and the crowd was cheering for Doink wildly. Yeah, like there, was, there, was there was a heel, big
1: heel. love for Doink, wasn't
0: there? He, heel Doink was the uh, he was a pretty special deal, especially among fans who were of the smart-ass variety. And now, appreciate at, something a little bit more sublime.
1: At one point in the commentary, Savage says something. And I rewound it a couple of times, and I couldn't grasp what he said. And it's at okay. one point when he's talking about Crush. And he says, Crush, I no doubt is at home watching this match. Get better, big man. And then it sounds like he says, There's room in the sky. <laughs> I, I don't think that's what he says. But it sounds like he says, There's room in the sky.
0: <laughs> Are
1: you suggesting uh... that Crush might be on death's door?
0: <laughs> if, if you start singing knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door at that point... Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Repo,
1: take this Aye. hat from me.
0: <laughs> I can't afford it anymore. <laughs> I wish I had a good pun there for. They <laughs> really had the guns and roses, but I got nothing. Got this. Is why we got to show prep more? <laughs> I have to think of something. So, do you want to say? Well i got to say, Typhoon at one point gets a bear hug on Doink, and I remember that's how he won war games seven months later, with a bear hug. Yes, it was, wasn't it?
1: When he was um, Shockmaster, but he was just dressed as a builder. Uncle Fred. Yes, Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred. Oh, dear. Well, sadly, bear hug
0: wouldn't do it. Yes, Doink being stronger than Booker T in this instance, escapes the bear hug, and he wins with a second rope clothesline, and then he sits on his chest facing away from t- Typhoon's face and grabs two hands of his crotch tights and pulls them up. And that's how he pinned them. Cheeky shenanigans. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I have to mention the fan sign that said boink, doink. And then Vince goes, boink, doink. That's what th- that's what Typhoon att- attempted to do. And I'm like, no, he didn't.
1: <laughs> oh, bless it, you. It, it,
0: It would have been a much different match if if Typhoon tried the boink-doink. A much different match.
1: (laughs) We wouldn't have been able to talk about it. Um, We get an advert for um, Saturday Morning Wrestling, the WWF show. That weird one which is like caffeine without caffeine. And uh, (laughs) it's hosted by radio presenter Todd Pettingill, who talks a bit about (laughs) what he's going to get up to on the show. This weird tension between him and Vince.
0: Yes, we have Todd and Bartlett in the same arena, and I, and I started developing this serious eye tick at that point. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, don't have them interact, don't have them interact, don't have them interact. Thankfully, they didn't, so we're, we are relieved. But to Todd's credit, he made a reference to Dorf on Golf, which is actually which is actually more 1993 than anything Bartlett has said in these previous four shows.
1: Bartlett must have been foaming. How dare he get a more topical reference than, than, than mine. Oh, remember that murderer from the eighties? You're watching raw. (laughs) Not
0: not pretty sure it wasn't filming. He probably wrote that down. (laughs) I got to steal that. (laughs)
1: I'm going to use that in about two weeks time when no one's looking. Um, I love a bit of live TV when it goes a touch wonky. Uh, after Vince and Todd Pettingill talk about what's happening on uh, on Saturday morning, Vince says, Let's go to Howard Finkel! And they stare into the camera and into mm-hmm. the abyss for about 300 years before it cuts away.
0: <laughs> Not only that, but up next was the Andre tribute. And when they showed the sky cam, or actually the overhead cam of the ring, the raw ring card girl, and Yokozuna's geishas were in the ring for the next match, but and then they had to just awkwardly leave because it wasn't time for that yet. So they here's Howard Finkel talking about how they, they cut away, and here's Howard Finkel beginning his, you know, genuinely, you know, touching and caring speech about Andre before the tri- before the ten bell salute, and he, and here's the geishas and the ring girl just shuffling off back back through the curtain until it's time to come back out again. And it's like, it really was a helter-skelter time for Raw, wasn't it?
1: It really was a shonky bit of production.
0: <laughs> yes. And, um, and, of course, and it, we get still photos of Andre through the 10-bell salute, which, thankfully, the fans were quiet for that part.
1: Not so they were getting a speech. bit rowdy by the six. You could hear a few people like going, wah, wah, wah. a
0: little bit of that. <laughs> it w- it was the Moses-like Barney Gumble moment. When Homer was having open-heart surgery, Simon had a moment of silence. How long has it been? 12 seconds. Do we have to start over? Hell no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bit of that. But, um, no, this was a sad week. This was the week that Andre the Giant passed
0: away. Absolutely. And and this year, i seen a lot of uh, Andre tributes, and particularly the Bill Simmons... Uh, H- what was it HBO or Showtime? I can't remember which now. I want to say it was Showtime. The documentary on his life, which was... A very fascinating look with some very rare footage of Andre both in good times and not-so-good times. It, it, it is hard to quantify what he meant exactly because he really, he really was the best of his kind. He was the greatest you know, unquestionable giant ever. Some say Undertaker could be in that category. Tigger is just a different kind of performer than Andre. He was more prone to having the classic matches, the especially later in his career with, with Sean and Hunter and so forth. But Andre was just—he he was more—he was more mythological than he was humanized. So it's hard to put him on that same plane of existence. And I don't know—it's just. What's sure. your favorite memory of Andre the Giant?
1: Do you have one that stands out?
0: Favorite memory of Andre? Well, well, I started watching his Back in '89, when I was five years old, so you know every wrestler seemed big at the time. You know even like someone like Sean Michaels was like what was a giant back then, the Mayor Bret Hart, because all adults were big. But just seeing Andre and I realized, you know, just, you know how big is this guy? I mean here he is. I mean it, it wasn't the prime of his career anymore. He was obviously very very far down that downward slope. He was feeding with Warrior at that time over the Intercontinental Title. But God, he was just so immense. And he stood out above even the other giants.
1: He was just uh, a just a big, imposing character.
0: He really was. And it I wasn't
1: think... till I was looking back as a wrestling fan, and I was watching back some of the older stuff, and it was I think that for me, one of the memories with Andre that I, that stays with me is when he was on Piper's Pit with Hogan, and it was when Andre oh, yes. turned and sided with Bobby Heenan. And a lot of the times it's not about the words in wrestling. I think when I watch wrestlers cut three and a half minute promos on Facebook, I realize that more than ever that it's not about the words, it's about sometimes the actions. And to watch Andre rip the cross off of Hulk Hogan's <clears throat> from around Hulk Hogan's neck and Hulk Hogan act like he'd been shot.
0: Wow. Just wow. What? Well, I mean, Andre did cut his skin with his fingernail because he he dug so hard into Hogan's chest to grab it. And, and and Andre, I mean, he I'm sure he knows his own strength to a degree, but I mean, just to have Andre with his big mitt coming right at you and taking a chunk right out of your skin. Um, I'd probably feel like I was shot too, and I'm half the size of Hogan. But that moment, as, as you said about, it's not it's not the words, Andre's glare when Hogan's trying to get through to him, and while Heenan's talking. Previously, Andre had just been, you know, the, the happy-go-lucky giant. But something as subtle as the way he grimaced at Hogan—very, not a pronounced like sneer or anything, but just kind of a defiant, cool look into his eyes, like "I'm not your friend anymore." Just very, very simple. And something as small as that was chilling. Like it's a very small character tick, but Andre—he pulled it off. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got this feeling that he wasn't friendly Andre anymore. And it wasn't just because Bobby Hinton was saying, he's he's calling you out now. Andre was demonstrating it.
1: Isn't it funny how a guy so big, both of us remember something so small about him?
0: Well, it, was, it was a legendary moment. It set up the biggest match in wrestling history. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But and, it was the tiny yeah. things that were... That stay with us about this giant other man. That and him as Fezzik in the... the yes. The the, the Princess, princess Bride. Bride. There we go. <laughs> Introduce everybody to the insult Hippopotanic Landmass.
0: <laughs> I was watching a video recently. It was a bunch of cast members from Princess Bride and they were talking about their experience working with Andre. And I, I want to say it was Mandy Patinkin is that how you say his last name Paddington? Paddington, the yeah. One, uh, Paddington, I remember, I remember from a Criminal Minds, but I can't remember how to say his name. So Manny Paddington's talking about how he was hanging with Andre after his shoot. They were on some boat together, and someone who and someone who worked on the uh, movie's staff, like 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 a, like a uh, I was like a, like an assistant producer or some sort of it was some sort of assistant. She had asked Andre if. If he was enjoying himself, if he was if he was having fun, you know, trying to be very accommodating toward him. and Andre said he loved it. And then she asked him, you know, what do you love about it? And he said, Nobody looks at me. mean, nobody treats him as though he were different. They, they, they he was he was part of the group instead of being you know, the one who stands out and everybody gawks at him that he's and and you gotta imagine what, Imagine what life was like for Andre just no matter where you went, everyone's going to turn their head and look at you. You can't yeah, live a normal to, life.
1: To stand out that much <laughs> everywhere you go.
0: Yeah. And I would say it meant a lot to him. That, you know, mentioned that as the first thing he enjoyed about the movie is just you know, I'm no different than Christopher Guest or Billy Crystal or whoever else is in this movie. They, that he's just, He's part of a team that he's as equal as everybody else. I mean, Christopher Guest did say in that video that he would always make a point to shake Andre's hand just for the sensation of his of his hand being enveloped by this big myth. But, I mean, other than that, it was... I guess he treated him very professionally and very, you know, like an equal. That it wasn't like... He wasn't a carnival freak to them.
1: Blimey. Um, so, we remember Andre the Giant in this particular episode. Um, moving on uh, to something slightly brighter... Promotional consideration paid for by the following WWF Action Figures!
0: And, and how weird is this? We have Davy Boy Smith and Sergeant Slaughter, neither of them had wrestled from the company in more than several months. Like here you couldn't they were shoot plugging the figures. It's like, it's like how outdated were the figures that you couldn't have guys who had figures in the new line do the ads? like, ah, oh, crap, we fired everybody in 92, didn't we?
1: <laughs> we fired a load of people. These two are still knocking around. Do you remember your first wrestling action figure, Justin?
0: I do. It was a Big John Stud LJN figure. Wow. That's nice. Got, got like late 80s. I got that followed by Jesse Ventura. And a quick start by the Ventura figure, he eventually lost his nipple.
1: <laughs> How did he lose his
0: nipple? Well... We had, like, nine figures at one point. It was Stud, Ventura. We had, we, we had Andre, uh, Snuka, Valentine, a few other guys. And my brother and I and our cousins would have a contest to see how far we could throw them. Because <laughs> my grandma she had this big backyard, and we would to start launching them. I mean, I was, like, six or seven years old, so I couldn't throw them very far. But I had a cousin, Mickey, who was, like, oh, Chris, he was like six feet tall. And he was, like, 13 years old. He was a giant. He would throw them the farthest. And Ventura somehow skidded on the ground, and it, it eroded his nipple. <laughs> and, I, and I still have the figure to this day.
1: I've never known anybody suffer nipple erosion until this day.
0: <laughs> but yes, my Jesse Ventura LJ, and figure did lose a nipple.
1: My dad bought me Jake the Snake Roberts and Macho Man Randy Savage. And it was because something had happened I couldn't go to school. I had to go to work with my dad and he, I had to sit in his office all day. So before we went to work, we went to a catalogue shop. Used to be known as Littlewoods, which is going to mark out a lot of British people. I went to Little <laughs> Woods and we bought two of those. I sat in my dad's office uh, where I got a cardboard box and drew a wrestling ring. And basically... <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage and Jake Roberts had a seven-hour Iron Man match. On that day,
0: I'm pretty sure Jake would have ran out of ring psychology after about 90 minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Admittedly, we were really scraping the barrel by the third hour. <laughs> you know, Savage had <laughs> kicked out
0: quite a few DDTs at this point. It's savage wrote a script for that match. It's the biggest war and peace, brother.
1: <laughs> here's these are the, all
0: the spots we're gonna run. Here's all the
1: spots, brother. Bounces a book <laughs> off the table
0: <laughs> And then Jake hits him with a head blunt object and pins him immediately. <laughs>
1: that's
0: hard that's harder than the lead in the Doink's fake arm.
1: We have uh, after that we have a savage Slim Jim advert. And the moment it finishes, they, 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 they you would not get away with this in twenty eighteen.
0: No 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 but, no then. no no <laughs> Slim Jim, for those times when you don't care about what part of the cow you're eating. Yeah, like,
1: what are you doing?
0: <laughs> you maniac! What... And Vince laughed, but I imagine at the same time he was stabbing him in the side with his pen. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Bartlett! Come on, mate!
1: It's just... <laughs> you don't
0: do that! How was Vince able to laugh while restraining Savage? That's what I've <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, he was Bartlett gets snapped shortly after this. Uh, Yokozuna versus Bobby DeVito. a Watch. It is
0: uh, DeVito from the Baldies. Yes, the, one of the other Baldies. Before he not, was no, a not... Baldie, he had a full head of yes. hair. Yes, back when he had one of those 90 mullets. Hey, what? will to add him to the tournament. <laughs> I
1: yeah. like how there wasn't commentary in Yokozuna's destruction of Bobby DeVito. There was a... Hacksaw Jim Duggan promo done whilst going through a tunnel
0: <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> this is the worst signal connection I've ever seen in my life. Because Hacksaw calls in allegedly. Well first Vince sees if he's there. There's there's a dial tone, there's no answer. Then, then also Hacksaw goes after Vince says hello like three times, Duggan, yeah I'm here Vince. And Duggan cuts a promo on his match versus uh Yoko, was it Superstars or Mania, one of those sh- weekend shows? I know it's not going to be Raw. No, there's a match
1: with them coming up. I believe it was Superstars there at the match. Superstars, that's right.
0: And and this part, uh, this is pretty weird. Rob Bartlett actually points out something that happened, and, he, and he's correct. He points out that Savage knocked down Yokozuna in the 93 Rumble match. But Vince overrides it, and actually, Yoko has never been knocked down before because we're going to find out if if Hacksaw can knock down Yokozuna because nobody has done it yet. Shut up, Rob Bartlett.
1: Bartlett was so desperate to kind of claw back a bit of favor after that Slim Jim line. He's like, hey, this is good. I can offer something here because I've been paying attention to this bit. No, no, I meant to forget that bit. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> hey, Savage, remember when you were so strong that you knocked down the mighty Yokozuna? Shut up.
1: Shut up, So uh, Duggan is, Duggan did this promo whilst going through a tunnel uh, that took over the whole match. Even as like Yokozuna dropped the bonsai drop on DeVito, counts the three, announced him as the winner. Duggan is still banging on about how he's going to defeat Yokozuna for America, tough guy.
0: Not Yokozuna, but Yakazuma. Oh, yeah, because Duggan, Duggan be sure is in the
1: elite company of people who know how to pronounce his name. That's what I've decided. Everybody gets it wrong, apart from Rob Bartlett, Virgil, <laughs> and um, and
0: Jim Duggan. Yakazuma.
1: Yakazuma, whatever his name is. Hashtag a bit racist. Of
0: course, if Chris Jericho were there in 93, he would have had his own word for it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Like ohama. Yoko Ono, (laughs) um,
1: Montezuma. Oh, a 93 Jericho on Raw would have either been brilliant or completely wasted. Or both.
0: (laughs) Or both. Uh,
1: Back after the uh, break, we've got uh, the first winner of the Money in the Bank match, Erwin (laughs)
0: Arshayster. The father of current tag team champion Bo Dallas and former tag team champion Bray Wyatt.
1: My gosh, you do forget that, don't you? And uh, Ted DiBiase,
0: the father of Ted DiBiase, and Brett DiBiase, and Mike DiBiase, and all them other ones. So they're here. For... They are here so DiBiase can recite Humpty Dumpty and then laugh evilly at the end of it. Which I, I recite it
1: wrong, by the way.
0: <laughs> and it's just get like
1: literally like, the 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 whole point of a nursery rhyme is that it rhymes <laughs> all the king's men and all the king's horses couldn't put Humpty to together again like i you would have to deliberately remember that wrong to get that wrong that's like saying the alphabet wrong a b c d q r f i've had to think to get that wrong
0: or or been drunk driving, one or the other.
1: <laughs> we see you, Dibiase. <laughs> Hire a driver. Come on, mate. You can afford it. Or get an Uber.
0: Or, would you rather Dibiase Reciter or, or Andrew Dice Clay? Dice Clay, every day. Now, that would have been timely in 93, at least. That also would we have been a our... r- really good t-shirt. Dice Clay, every day. <laughs> if they replace Rob Bartlett with Andrew Dice Clay, this show goes improves at least tenfold. <laughs> As Vince spends half of it apologizing to the sponsors and the home audience. and
1: Oh, God. So we had a we had Dvrc
0: IRS promo here. The, the most intense IRS promo I've ever seen in my life. Because he starts yelling at one point, and he never yells. He's always too bored to yell. He was getting but very the, angry bit... about
1: the tax cheats, wasn't he?
0: Yes. The, see, see, the gist of this promo is that one of them is going to face Beefcake just so they can mess him up. … and they flip a coin to see who, who does it on, on the next edition of the show, and DiBiase wins it. And Iris angrily points out that Beefcake, while he was convalescing from his parasailing accident, he was probably not paying his taxes, and this this is very upsetting to Mr. Shyster…
1: He's a filthy tax cheat. Uh, Jimmy Hart turns up as well, which is a really lovely bit of seed planting. The whole the whole Jimmy Hart thing was really nice here, coming out as Dibiase and IRS are discussing who is going to face uh, Beefcake. And Jimmy Hart comes out and goes, look, leave it. It's not worth it. He's not worth it. You need to focus on being the tag champs. So they plant a little seed, which is nice.
0: Mhm. And it does pay off in the match, which we will later see on next week's podcast. And then after the promo end, is, is there playing the narcissist music. But Luger doesn't enter. No, the referee enters first, which I thought was cool.
1: Nice to see the ref getting his own entrance. <laughs> it's about time. And uh, it was nice Luger... to see Lex Luger reacting. As Lex Luger gets into the rig, um, we get the raw girl.
0: And it's a larger Raw girl with glasses on. Yes, it is one of the Rosati sisters.
1: Is that who it is?
0: Yes, it is. Ah, okay. Okay. For you younger fans who have no idea what the hell we're talking about, the Rosati sisters were kind of sort of friends of the promotion. I believe they were, I don't know who they were friends of in particular from the company. I'm, I'm pretty sure Bruce Pritchard's probably discussed this somewhere. But I can't remember who. They were big fans. And they had friends in the company, and they would occasionally appear on Primetime Wrestling. The Bobby Heenan's annoyance, he would call them the Oinkettes. You know, they were these heavyset sisters with glasses. They were from the New York area, I believe. And they would occasionally be used as comic fodder. And in this case, one of them was used, she was rather rotundant, but she, but she dressed down in this one-piece bathing suit and was, carry, and was carrying the ring card sign, which made Lex Luger very upset. And I will say this was the one part of the show where Rob Bartlett actually made me laugh out loud a little bit. Oh God, and I'm almost not again, not
1: again. Well,
0: when that's twice, that's sister, twice
1: in one lifetime, Justin.
0: It's a reference only I get, but because I got it, I laughed. She, uh, she enters the ring, this this Rosati sister, and he goes, it's Victor Bruno! And because I know who Victor Bruno is, I thought it was funny. Who is he? He was a chubby character actor who... Most notably, if you've seen the old Batman TV series in the 60s, he played King Tut.
1: Okay, I'll look him up now so I can get that joke next time
0: round. Yes. I'm not saying it was the best joke of all time, but because I knew who Victor Borno is, I kind of just went, ha <laughs> never realized. I laughed at Rob Bartlett.
1: I know, but you, you, you we'll get you some help. We'll get you the help that you need.
0: <laughs> it was a decent line, man. He's two for 74. Uh,
1: before we meet Lex Luger's opponent in our main event of the evening we get a nice little video of Mr. Perfect playing hand egg or as you call it just in football
0: yes uh, he's, he,
1: with a player
0: Steven of the Minnesota Vikings whose son Cam Jordan is now a pretty big deal now on the New Orleans Saints at the defensive end so he's a first generation football star and another th- son and could...
1: Montel Jordan who sang this is how we do it
0: it's a great song. Rock a rock It is now the Jackson Hewitt attack uh, song and rock rock. Use it in ECW as a singles wrestler.
1: As they should. It's a
0: great tune. This is how we do it. Um, wasn't going to say that. There was a point here. Um, was it, this what video were the
1: observations we... of the Mr. Perfect hand egg American football yes. video?
0: Please call it football. It's it's my sport.
1: <laughs> okay. <I> used...
0: Football. <laughs> Football. Football. I'll make you call it real football.
1: Oh, don't. Duh, don't <laughs> open that kettle of worms.
0: <laughs> I kid, I would not make you do that.
1: Thanks, friend. <laughs> I won't call it hand egg anymore.
0: <laughs> but, but this is the video where Mr. Perfect throws a 100-yard touchdown pass to himself. While well, Steve Jordan was some of the best acting ever. Wow. What a catch. That was amazing. Oh, he was
1: superb
0: <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah Steve Jordan, uh, not an actor. Not an actor. I don't no, know if
1: I, I think he'll be the first to admit that, too.
0: I will add that this video was memed earlier this year when Marcus Mariota of the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs threw a touchdown pass to himself. Not as long, mind you, but that was kind of the charm of it. He threw a pass toward the goal line, it was deflected by an opposing player he called it on the ricochet and then ran into the end zone himself. And someone put his head over Perfects and the Titans coach over Steve Jordan's head and reenacted the whole thing. It was Amazing. pretty funny.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, I got it and I laughed, so I was happy. I don't care about anybody else's enjoyment. <clears throat> I had fun, that's the important bit. <laughs> yes. So it's Lex Luger versus Jason Knight.
1: We have a combination of... Lex Luger, a promo from Mr. Perfect, and one of the most underrated sexy man gimmicks, Jason Knight, a.k.a. Jason, the sexiest man alive from ECW.
0: Yes, Jason used the song What a Man by Salt and Pepper before Lawrence Taylor did. So Luger versus Jason Knight. Jason, a year and a half from now, would be the ECW television champion, beating Mikey Whipwreck, before losing to two Cold Scorpio. Here, he's just... Even though he was a journeyman wrestler at this point, he was just some guy for be, to be fed to the narcissist machine. It's a very basic match. Luger brutalizes him for a while. He finishes with two forearm smashes because the first one didn't really take, but they're getting over the idea that he has a, titanium, a titanium-laced forearm. I love that. I, lo- I love that a, we-
1: a wrestler with a secret weapon like that.
0: I think they tried it with Bob Holly in 2000 or 2001, but, but they... It was abandoned pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? No, I like Lex Luger's titanium arm. That will come into play more as time goes on, which is exciting.
0: And it is here that Vince promotes the show
1: Quantum Leaps. So oh, I Dracula. love this bit. That's ace. The match was a bit of a dud. But during it, Vince says, don't forget, Quantum Leaps coming up. And with that in mind, I'm going to give you, I asked on Twitter, since Vince was plugging in Quantum Leap, I thought we should as well. Mm -hmm. So, if you could quantum leap into any wrestler during any wrestling moment, who and what would it be? My top three on Twitter, by you, in no particular order. Son of Sigma on Twitter says, Undertaker at WrestleMania 30 to try and kick out of the F5 from Brock Lesnar. I like Mm -hmm. that one. Um Paul Savage, who would leap into Shawn Michaels and not screw Brett. Still quite bitter on that. Um, I love this. This is a nice callback. Well done, Dave Wilson. The British Bulldog at Royal Rumble 95, and I'd make sure both of Shawn Michaels' feet hit the ground and that he didn't celebrate too early. Hashtag Davey was robbed.
0: God, everybody hates Shawn don't they? No,
1: nah, I know. My Twitter was very anti Sean tonight. Who would I mean, you leap geez, into? I
0: mean... Jeez, who would I leap into in order to change history, right? You'd alter have to, yeah, to alter way. history some more. You know, I'm going to give you a weird one. Go for it. This, I, w- I would not want to have be a per- permanent change, but just to see what would happen. I would want to be Sean in 97 and not lose my smile, just to see how history plays out from there. Because if he doesn't lose his smile, we don't get Brett versus Austin. My gosh, we don't, do it everything changes from there, doesn't it?
1: I would be Sid Vicious in late 2000 and I wouldn't go on the top rope. <laughs> it doesn't really make any difference to me as a fan, but I just felt bad for him that night and
0: I just want to make sure he could still walk. Well, I mean, Jesus, just see his leg, it was like a bicycle chain hanging, me held up by one end.
1: Alex, like- my good lady, found that video and she showed me and she went, look at that, that looks real, doesn't it? And I went. Yeah, it yeah. was real. I watched it, it
0: happen. It certainly does look real. How they do that? There's just such great professional workers. And it's, man, it's, a, it's the best special effects in the world. <laughs> but seriously, that that was a terrible moment, and I'm, I was sad to have seen it. I mean, I'd rather have seen it than be sit in that moment. But you know what I mean. Absolutely. So uh, how does Lug? So Luga polishes him off
1: with the old titanium arm, doesn't he?
0: Yes, he does. As I notice a total package banner in the crowd, which I'm amazed that got in. Like, well, he's not the total package, he's the narcissist.
1: <laughs> nice. Nice touch. I like whoever snuck that in. They deserve a gold medal. And,
0: and not only that, after Luger wins, he takes Jason by the ankles and gives him a Cesaro swing. Just yeah, for the hell what of it. what was
1: that about? That was a random little addition at the end. A <laughs> little, little, and hold he's... you around with a little Cesaro swing.
0: It was like three rebs, but still he gave him the swing and then just dropped him for the hell of it. Amazing. Luger looked good in this. Like, short, snappy, he looked
1: good. I don't know if this was the match that I would put on last on Raw. It just left me feeling a bit flat because it was a bad guy just battering a a nobody.
0: Well, it was kind of that Saturday Night's main event formula where you put whatever the bigger match is on in the middle. And then Luger's like the death slot match thinking everybody's going to bed by now and they just, yeah, yeah they've turned out, they're going to sleep, they have work in the morning, they have school in the morning. That's true, Which it I,
1: could have been a, a, a decision made like that.
0: I mean, my bedtime in 93 was like 9.30, so I, I caught the first half of Raw and it was off the bed. Fair enough. So what did you reckon of this week then? What do we think of this week's Raw? It was a basic show, it was nothing special, nothing great except for our usual assortment of laughs that we... Mine from the inanity and the ridiculousness of some parts. It it, it was fine. It's setting up bigger things like DiBiase versus Beefcake, which is not next week, but is in fact two weeks from now because of the Westminster Kennel Club dog show.
1: Yep, we have been preempted by the dog show. I will have full dog show results for you next week.
0: Or we could just watch the following show next week and skip the dog show. I'm going to do both. You're that dedicated.
1: I am that dedicated. We're going to get dog show results. <laughs> Lovely stuff. So that was episode four of the Cultaholic Classic Raw uh, review. I've been Tom Campbell. I'm at Tom Campbell. Over there is at J.R.H. writing. I'm over pointing over there. I'm pointing towards the North Sea from my window because that eventually becomes the ocean. And then on the other side of it is where you are, Justin.
0: Yeah, I'm quite a bit of ways away. I mean, I- I'm waving at you. You can't see it, but I'm definitely waving I can see you waving. Hello. God, the ocean's dried up. I just. (laughs) Recycle, everybody. Recycle. It's important. We'll see you next
1: week. And join us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of
0: something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.